AT&T Threat Track is a roundtable discussion of security trends and news. Full video of this program can be found on YouTube by searching for AT&T Threat Track. So Ganesh, we've got another vulnerability with the Microtik router. Seems like a, a common vulnerable router for us. What's the, the new stuff here? Yeah, this time we have four vulnerabilities, uh, which basically they have a chain of actions an attacker can take uh, to get uh, leveraging these uh, four vulnerabilities to get the basically backdoor to the system. Um, this has been found by Tenable researchers. Uh, first, basically, I listed the four CVEs here. Mm -hmm. uh, the first two, 3976, 3977, they found in the first first week of uh, September, and they informed the Microtech. I think uh, within a few weeks, they released a patch. Okay. Afterwards, uh, they were looking into this Microtech vulnerabilities again. They found two additional things. So. This story is about uh, including the new latest two CVEs and how it can be leveraged to basically take control of the Microtech router. Okay. The way this works is um, an attacker can basically um, get access to the router, uh, to the router voice port, which is 8291 TCP port. From that, they, have, uh, they can actually downgrade the firmware level of the router voice which gives them access to the system because at some certain levels, I think uh, Microtech routers as a default password are sometimes no password at all. So they can get the access. You see the, the vendor make the effort to do the patch, uh, and then there's another vulnerability that basically allows an adversary to sort of roll back the OS version. Uh, how, how is this done? Basically, the first thing is uh, they're doing it using a DNS cache poisoning. Okay. Because um, Microtech router is a DNS-based one, right? They have router voice, they have resolver, which have local caches. Okay. Somehow they are able to corrupt that to resolver to you know point to a, a domain or IP address which is in control of the attacker. And once they got the access to the system, they kind of downgraded the patch level, system levels. So this is how it's done by means of the Winbox protocol. Uh, but luckily, two days ago, Microtech patched with the version 6.45.7. Actually, it addresses all the four vulnerabilities. Okay, so this is the patch. 6.45.7 is the patch for these vulnerabilities, not the patch level that they went be on before. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think if anybody is running the Microtech devices, this is the patch that they have to be. Okay, good. I just listed, I think uh, Microtech routers, they use various ports and protocols uh -huh. besides uh, port 8291, which is used by a Winbox protocol. Okay. But, uh, 50 but is 8291 the, the one where we see scanning yeah. for these vulnerabilities? Yeah, I think uh, that's yeah. where they're leveraging basically to get the access to the system and downgrade, you know, okay. that's how they are doing it. Uh, but 50 ports, you know, uh, any web server, any router have various ports, like Tenlet, SSH. Right, if right. you include all of them, they use various uh, 50 ports and protocols. Got it. I just listed it there uh, because I found another port related to Microtik, which has a similar scanning activity around the same time, and which we observed in the last time I was analyzing it. I just want to refer to that one. So this is 500 days of Microtik, and all these different vulnerabilities over time show our uh, probably I, probably we've had a threat track story. Well, I, I think <laughs> most probably you're right, Joe. Most probably we have some sort of threat track story whenever we have that big spikes. 
Yeah, and I know this has put 8291 in our top 10 list in the past. I don't know if it's still there. Um, but uh, yeah, we've definitely heard and dealt with the MicroTik router uh -huh. vulnerabilities for a while now. Yeah, uh, for example, I think uh, around uh, September times, August time frame actually, uh, I think uh, they found vulnerabilities, the scanning was there, and uh -huh. they, they put a patch down and we can see the tapering of the scanning. And again, I think around the same time, they, f they, they found another two vulnerabilities and probably others also. Again, we're seeing the continuous level of scanning activity. And then we, do we expect this to taper off now that uh, patch is released? I'm, I'm, I'm expecting to taper off like we have seen in the early September once the patches are released. Okay. Um, but I think uh, right now people are looking for vulnerable devices, especially open for a microtic with the 829. Yeah. Basically, I'm showing the past seven days how oh. this is looking at. Mm. Uh, like you can see, the scanning is uh, almost, you know, like going in spikes and coming down. It's like a diurnal pattern. Mm -hmm. like Probably because of the way somebody's scripts are running, where they... Yeah, yeah. Here is the... Uh, some of the scanners, the scan SIPs we are seeing on our reports. So basically, if you see, it's geographically distributed, but I think most likely concentrated highly in uh, Asia Pac. Mm -hmm. In this case, I've seen top scanners from uh, Hong Kong-based IPs you know, from that reason. Okay. I, I told you there's another port I kind of found out seeing, showing the same type of behavior. Like if in this case, 8728, which is in blue color here, is also one of the port used by Microtech. Yeah, okay. It's not for uh, Winbox protocol, ah. uh, but for it's used for some, uh, some sort of API access. So as you can see, we are seeing the same set of scanning at the same time. I mean, except for, you know, if you go back uh, past uh, June of yeah. this year. But at the same time, you, you are seeing the same set of uh, scanning. I think if anybody's seeing scanning on these two ports at the same time, it, it's 100% sure they're looking for microtech devices. Yeah. Uh, Jaime, what do you think? Do you think um, you know you work with customers and consumers a lot? What's your take on this situation? Yeah, it, it is important to address obviously all all the patches that that vendors issue. But you know, in 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 some cases, some instances, if those patches are not available. Uh, you know, either you stay away from those routers, or uh, you know, you put you, you close those those ports, or you put that router behind a firewall or something that can prevent the so you sort of activity. so you're, you're saying maybe add your own layer of protection because you know this router is so susceptible. That's a good idea. The key point is keep updating it and up to levels, so that uh, lots of the attack vectors can be closed. Hey, Jaime, how are you doing? Uh, I heard you have a good story about, you know, cloud-related military and attack techniques. Could you elaborate a little bit about that? Absolutely. So uh, the MITRE attack, for you, for those of you that, that are not aware of, of the framework, it's, it's an open framework, or more specifically, it's, it's a knowledge base of adversary tactics and techniques that the MITRE team has collected uh, working with, you know, private and, 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 and the, the private and the public industry. Uh, based on real-world scenarios and, and observations. So it, it has become very popular in the cybersecurity community for the last uh, few years, and they even have their own annual conference that actually is going on uh, this week. The, the MITRE attack 
the definitely details, the tools and techniques used by, by threat actors. But until now, it has been very focused on Linux and Windows and, and some coverage to mobile environments such as Android. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, this week, uh, MITRE announced uh, that they have extended this, uh, the, the framework to cover both infrastructure as a service and, and software as a service platforms. So, you know, these, these new techniques that they have, they have been added to the framework cover uh, Amazon AWS, uh, Google Cloud Platform, uh, Microsoft Azure, and, and Office 365. Everything used to be tailored to the enterprise, to uh, data center-based platforms, but now with the shift to the public cloud, even our attack surface, our attack framework has to really acknowledge that you know the more more of these attacks are going to be based in the cloud, and we need to have that same uh, rigidity and structure and that same focus on how to handle security incidents that happen in AWS that might we might be used to on a Linux server. So in AT&T Cybersecurity, we use the framework to make sure that we have visibility and also the, the detection mechanisms in our product lines and, and our internal systems to detect every single technique that is described in the, in the, in the framework but also supports our content team that is the one uh, you know, creating threat analy analytics, signatures, and other type of detections that go into our, pro uh, into our product and help our customers uh, you know, detecting the, these type of attacks in, in their environments. It even helps our product roadmap. So when, when we look at new techniques, we may have a detection gap of, of, some, of some sort, and we will look at the framework and understand uh, if it's important enough to like modify our, our roadmap and add support uh, to some of the you know detection capabilities that we may be missing. Do you see that this framework will help in our ability to um, detect and to you know perform analysis in the public cloud, or, or how do you see the, that shift in general? Yes, I, I think it, it is going to be really helpful because you don't have to start from scratch, right? They, they are sharing that knowledge with you and, and you can understand what, uh, you know, the different data points are and, you know, different techniques or maybe things that you have missed if you come from a, from a traditional, you know, enterprise environment. Because many things are different in, in cloud environments, especially, you know, especially when it comes to credentials. It's a completely different story. And, you know, those are one of the things that, that we are seeing our customers are, are having more uh, trouble when it comes to, you know, managing credentials and understanding how credentials use. Uh, right. And, and, and each one of these public clouds has their own native tools, right? So they have their own way that they think you should be protecting yourself, whether it's, you know, guard duty or Azure Security Center. Um, but, you know, this is something that at least is standard across all the different flavors of public cloud. So, you know, you don't have to, you know, know the Microsoft tools, the Google Cloud tools. You can, you know, use your uh, framework and say, okay, how does this map, you know, from all those different areas? So that's cool. I think that's helpful. I think uh, it's really welcoming to see actually having a, a framework, like you said, Joe. I think it gives all the company, not only AT&T. Yeah. We may be looking at some of the tactics more. Maybe we're not paying, uh, maybe we have never seen another tactic being used. This framework gives us a broader idea to, you know, to look beyond what we are already seeing. Right. I think uh, this is welcoming step. Joe, I, I heard you have a very interesting story about PHP vulnerabilities. 
Right, yeah, so um, the Hacker News picked up a story from a researcher from Wallarm. Basically, they found that, um, that PHP websites using Nginx configured to uh, run PHP Fast CGI Process Manager, so FPM. Uh, there's a, a set of parameters that can allow a adversary to do remote code execution, so run a web shell and execute code. Um, you know, kind of interesting, mostly because you know a lot of times we'll see vulnerabilities like this, but you know we don't know that there's an exploit. Well, this there is a POC exploit, so mm. almost right you know, in line with the CVE coming out and the vendor, you know, or the, the PHP group acknowledging it, um, there's a, there is an exploit. So the exploit, POC exploit, only hits versions uh, 7 plus, but potentially a broader exploit could could affect, um, you know, all kinds of, all the PHP FPM versions. Mm -hmm. the, the vulnerability allows you to manipulate the memory and then adjust the parameters in order to get at you know certain pieces and, and do that remote code execution uh, also interesting because you know it seems like a unique set of parameters but it, these are the parameters that nginx needs to allow php fpm code execution so a lot of web uh, hosting providers are set up this way so mm -hmm. one in particular nextcloud they released a statement um, you know that you know they they advise everybody to upgrade um, but you know the the patch was released uh, on the 25th of October, uh, which is almost a month after it was reported. So you know one of those where there is that gap in time where these PHP web servers were uh, vulnerable, and you know you know now is the time to upgrade. So uh, you know if you're running a PHP web server uh, using Nginx and FPM, uh, go to 7.3.11 or 7.2.24 is really the advice here. This vulnerability has been found while someone is doing a CTF kind of challenge and they stumbled upon one of the key inputs where basically the memory can be manipulated to give undesired results. Uh, yeah, hopefully uh, this is going to become less and less common because you know, I mean, just the fact of uh, you know using PHP, uh, it 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 opens uh, you know the door to a set of like security issues. So I think you know people have to people have to rethink uh, you know when they are using PHP and probably move to you know safer, more modern uh, frameworks today. Yeah, this is it does kind of get you in that place when you're using something using some of these less cutting edge tools that. You, know, you are a little bit more susceptible to them not keeping up with, not just not keeping up with maybe the, the modern technologies, but not keeping up with patches and security mm -hmm. flaws and vulnerabilities. You know, even if you're not running your own web server, you might be at a hosting site that's in this vulnerable case. So you might want to check um, and make sure that either if you're running your own web server that you're upgraded, or if you're at a hosting site that they've upgraded. So. Hey Joe, uh, I'll be talking about the internet weather for the past week ending yesterday, October 29th. Uh, these are the top 10 most probed ports. And not much difference from the previous years as we are seeing. I mean, uh, there are regular ports like 443, 80. Right. 80 is up uh, by 11 points, uh, but um, I mean, it's kind of expected with uh, HTTP right there, yeah, always yeah. the high volume ports. Right. 1433 is down from last week. 
Uh, we have ADAT, again, it's related to web-related web port. 3389 as the bottom at, of the top 10, uh, which is a RDP port. But the most significant jump is seen in the uh, seventh position port here, 60,001 TCP. Almost, I think, uh, jumped by 57 points. Yeah. So I'll be I'll be showing a little bit about what is this port. Okay. Sixty thousand one is basically it's a high number port. I, I think it's ephemeral ports. Anybody uses any application typically tries to use it. Uh, typically in the past, I think uh, maybe in maybe five six years ago, it was very popular with um, one backdoor Linux Trinity. I think it's a Linux based uh, Trojan basically. Like it used to perform uh, some sort of. Uh, UDP-based attacks, maybe some TCP synflood attacks. That's what it used. But not right now, it's not related to anything that. That's the past history about this port. But in, um, in the recent past, it's, this port is used by JAWS web server and MB4 DVR. And as you can see, they are some sort of IoT devices. Okay. Um, it's, it's not uncommon. I, uh, there are some vulnerabilities in MV Power DVR in the past, as well as I think maybe there might be remote code execution in Java's web server also. But and so is something new or um, something we haven't heard about yet? Um, I'm not I could able to see anything new for this at this moment. But in the I think in the last few months we have seen uh, some remote code execution, especially okay. with uh, MV Power DVR. Well, maybe it's something we'll hear more about. Uh, I think, uh, yeah. Is it real recent? How, can you tell how recent the spike is? Um, no. Yeah, if you see it, uh, I think uh, this is 180 days past six, uh, six months of uh, graph depicting the activity on this port. As you can see, actually it picked up um, in the last four or five days after you know, a brief period of uh, tapering off. I think uh, somewhere around uh, June, there were one vulnerability re uh, remote code executable in uh, one of the DVR products. Okay. I think it continued for some time. It tapered off, uh, maybe most likely, as you said, there might be some new botnet activity or yeah. maybe some unknown vulnerability they're trying to basically leverage at this point. Uh, I'll show you uh, actually the past four days shown. As you can see, it just picked in, the, I think, uh, last weekend. Uh, okay. From almost uh, negligible levels, I think it went up to 3,500 uh, sources or something like that. Wow. And it seems to be continuing above uh, 2,500 uh, scan sources per hour. Uh, that, that's, that's the status of uh, on this port right now. Um, we are watching it. Yeah. Most probably we'll, we'll get some more information, additional information. Yeah, it's cool because with the volume of the scanning, mm -hmm. It's we we've in the last you know year couple of years it's hard we rarely see any really uh, significant deviation in those top ten but mm -hmm. you know something like this breaks into number seven yeah you know you know something's going on there so that's that's interesting we'll have to keep, definitely keep our eye on it yeah that's for sure uh, we're seeing the scanning and we know sort of what the ports typically used for and what some of the problems have been in the past but nothing really that shows why we'd see such a precipitous spike. You know, we're seeing the spike and we can see it in the network, but we don't really know exactly what to attribute it to. I think in this case, uh, there's not really much changes from the past few weeks. And uh, in the sense uh, that the ports we are seeing, 445, 23, 80, 14, most likely they are switching the positions here and there in the top 10. So, so here's a question. So for the uh, fact that 
60,000 isn't in this list, does that show us that it's more volume or more scanners? More scanners. More that. scanners, okay. I mean, like you can see, basically, the scan sees how many unique scan sources are there okay. on this board. Uh, in this case, uh, 555 TCP, we, are, we have been uh, tracking it for uh, ADB Android yeah. debugger. And uh, so, I mean, uh, they, they are also most likely used with various uh, Mirai-based uh, IoT botnet. Right. Yeah, I think it's, it's more notable what's not listed here, right? That one that jumped up into the other top 10 isn't other ten. here. So it allows yeah. us to kind of identify uh -huh. maybe what the, the change is. So that's cool. Yeah, sometimes, um, not that often, sometimes we see the same port creeping up in the both the reports. Right. Yeah, but in this case, it's not yet. Cool. Yeah. All right. The views expressed on AT&T ThreatTrack are those of the participants and do not necessarily represent the views of AT&T or any other person or entity.